Welcome to Manage Tools. Despite my admonitions to Mark not to go on vacation, he went anyways. So this week, we're going to share one of our Hall of Fame cast, You Did Not Demonstrate, Parts 1 and 2. Enjoy. Folks, if you're a listener and you think our guidance on management will be effective for your organization, I can assure you it will be. One of the great things about bringing us in to train a bunch of managers at once is they all go through the learning experience at once. They're more comfortable asking questions of one another. There's a perception that the organization supports their learning. And so therefore, you're more likely to get managers who might be a little bit hesitant to roll out the process. And then they start getting the results. And of course, then they're hooked. And uh, there can be a common discussion among directs about the experience. And it will be seen as having organizational support. I encourage you to reach out to Maggie at manager-tools.com or come to the website and learn more. Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, you did not demonstrate, part one. Here we go. One thing many managers struggle with, and we, we hear this quite often, is telling someone they didn't do well or that they didn't meet a standard. And when you're managing someone, the day-to-day performance communications answer is, of course, our feedback tool, so no surprises there to anybody who's been listening for a while. But, <laughs> but you got to admit, Mark, there are other situations where being direct is helpful, but the feedback tool really doesn't work in that situation. And we have one way to communicate shortcomings that we're going to share with you today that is direct and reasonably inoffensive to folks. Yeah, I'll tell you, we, we talk so much about the actual behaviors, um, which is so different from management thinking and, and delivery today. Everybody talks in terms of big picture, like seeing around corners and stuff like that, that I think sometimes it's easy to forget that the tactics are under, uh, you know, or overseen or underlaying by a strategy. And one of the fundamental strategies of uh, manager tools, one of the fundamental beliefs is it's about behavior. And there are a lot of people who say, you know, attitudes drive behavior. And we wouldn't argue that simply because that's not an easy argument to have because nobody can truly prove attitudes. But behaviors are what drive culture and performance and organizational success and so on. Certainly a change in culture can change behavior. Um, But if the culture, everybody says the culture changes, but behavior doesn't change, I would argue that the culture really hasn't changed. And what we find is... People say, okay, I know the feedback model, the feedback tool, but okay, I don't know what to do in this different situation. And it's the underlying thing about, okay, what were the behaviors that we need to talk about that can affect how then we might talk about it? And um, a classic example are our performance reviews, which are about behavior, but they're for the organization as opposed to for the individual. Um, and also interviews where you may have to communicate somebody's shortcomings, but You've got to figure out a way to do it. And people say, well, I don't have the feedback tool. What do I do? I, I don't know what to do. I don't, people ask me this all the time. I don't, well, without the feedback model, you know, I can't give feedback in a review. I can't give feedback. I can't use the feedback model on somebody I interviewed. No, you're right. What you can do is talk about people's behavior. And if you use that as an idea, then you get to the guidance of you didn't demonstrate something. In other words, what we recommend is you say you didn't demonstrate X. X being whatever it is you're looking for or whatever it is the context or the situation requires of the role or of the interview. We're not saying the person doesn't have it. We're saying they didn't demonstrate it. 
And when the person says, oh, I have that, I have that, I have that, of course, and this will be another cast, you could say, well, that may be true, but there's no evidence of that in this interview. And interviewing is, a, is the second worst form of, of evaluating people in the world, and all the others are tied for last. Or when a candidate says at the end of the year, you know, I am capable of doing that, we can say, yeah, okay, we don't pay for capabilities, we pay for actual behaviors. You didn't demonstrate that those behaviors are possible for you, or they certainly weren't in evidence this past year. So we use the phrase you didn't demonstrate as a way of focusing on behavior rather than talking. And when we focus specifically on behavior rather than talking about the person, this is what so many managers do wrong, or talking about suggesting that somebody doesn't have the potential to learn something. And so that's what we'll do. We'll talk about the actual behavior. We'll give you some examples in this cast of how to say you didn't demonstrate. We'll talk about behavior and we'll talk about why it is so important, folks, to avoid talking about the person or about their potential. Okay, so let's talk about that phrase because, and you picked that phrase for a very specific reason. You didn't, yeah. you didn't demonstrate. Yeah, it's smart and it's <laughs> it's, it's easy. so easy. It's and so and again, easy. this is just like the feedback tool. I mean, the feedback tool, if you know it, you know, hey, can I give you some feedback? When you do X, here's what happens. Can you change that? Or hey, can you, you know, when you do that, here's what happens. Thank you. We want that to be memorizable. I use the example with American managers of the Pledge of Allegiance, which every kid in America who's raised in America knows. And we want you to forget about the, the words and the feedback model because we want you to focus on the behavior. By the same token, we want you to memorize the phrase, you didn't demonstrate. And then all you have to do is talk about what the standard is, what the context is. Uh, if we're trying to hire somebody who has sales skills, you didn't demonstrate appropriate sales skills. And hopefully you have specific examples, although you don't always have to give specific examples. If you simply say, you didn't demonstrate to me satisfactorily that you have or you did this thing that we're looking for. And the fact is, if you keep in mind the words you didn't demonstrate, you can change them a little bit and you understand, which we'll talk about in this cast, why that is so important. It's easy to feel very confident saying it. Yeah. Um, so let me give you some examples. You could say to somebody who you're evaluating at the end of the year in performance review, Bob, unfortunately, you didn't demonstrate effective presentation skills. That's not to say you don't have them or that you can't develop them. Okay, that's as, as clear an indication of not talking about you and whether you have these things or not. But folks, we don't pay people for their capabilities or for their inner talents. We pay people for their using, applying the talents with their behaviors to generate results for the organization. Okay, another example. You didn't demonstrate mastery of the analytical tools necessary for high performance. Now, some of you might say, well, wait, wait, wait mastery, what's, what's mastery? Um, well, mastery is a word you see all the time in, in, in job descriptions around interviews and for reviews. Now, interestingly, people say, why are we connecting interviews and reviews? It's simple, because they're connected around the job. We hire someone against a job description, hopefully we have one. Maybe it's not written down, but there ought to be some clarity if somebody's done the job before. And job descriptions are written a certain way. I would argue poorly in many cases, but they give a general idea of what it is we're looking for. We interview against that job description. And then of course, at the end of the year, we evaluate against that job description, generally speaking. No, it's not perfect. And yes, it could be better, but that's the reason why 
we use the example of you didn't demonstrate in these two instances, interview and review, because it's the start and the end, the alpha and the omega of the behavioral process that someone goes through. Are they good enough to get the job because they have the behaviors we're looking for? Okay, I'm sorry, that they, they can engage in the behaviors we're looking for. And then at the end of the year, did they or did they not engage in the behaviors we're looking for? And that is where the you did not demonstrate fits so perfectly is that end of year review. I like the word uh, mastery in particular because I think it suggests that, not that you don't have any skills around analytical tools, they're just not good enough, right? So it it, yeah. it it invites less argument. Well, I have analytical skills. Yeah, yeah. See, no, I, I would see it different. I, I agree with you. That makes it easy. If we put the word mastery in a job description or we talk about it in, a, in an end of year review, a lot of people would say what you're saying, Mike. The problem is it leaves everything to the imagination. In fact, we hate competencies at Manager Tools, and there are many people listening go, really? Gosh, I, I think our company uses competencies. Yeah, folks, sorry, we hate them because they're not behaviors. And one of the things I will say is competencies are an effort, a, a well-intentioned effort to avoid, to eliminate words like mastery. Now, unfortunately, in many cases, the, the competency industry uses the word mastery, but mastery is, unless you can have a specific measure, which no one does that I'm aware of, it essentially leaves it up to the person who's drawing the conclusion. Well, yes, you're very good at it, but you haven't mastered it in my opinion. Um, and that, that essentially, as we'll talk about later, leaves a lot of people in sort of a gray area that I don't think is fair to people. Hmm. Uh, if you focus on behavior, mastery is a standard. It, it is a standard. It's just an unagree upon, uh, unagreed upon standard. It's in the eye of the beholder. Another example, there wasn't evidence in your interview of strategic thinking. Now this doesn't say you don't, you're not a strategic thinker. It doesn't say you haven't done strategic thinking in the past, but if we're going to interview you within the context of an interview, we need evidence that you have good strategic thinking, assuming of course that the job requires strategic thinking. Okay. Next, in this evaluation period, you didn't demonstrate the necessary improvement. Okay. Now one assumes that this is a late stage coaching situation where part of a person's performance evaluation was around them improving because maybe last year it said, next year you need, you're gonna to need to improve from 45 to 81 on this particular standard. And if in fact they didn't get to 81, then they didn't demonstrate the necessary improvement. Another example, you didn't demonstrate the requisite skill in marketing planning that this job requires. And I know I use requisite and requires and they have the same root word there, but I took that right out of, a, of an interview result that I saw. And the point here is, is that marketing planning is something we're looking for, marketing planning skills. And there's a certain standard that we have assigned, ascribed, that is a minimum, and this person doesn't have it. Now, there may, in fact, be somebody that we say no to for a different reason than that. You can say no to somebody because they don't have the minimal skills, or you could say no to them because somebody else has more skills or is a better fit. Um, but in this case, one of the ways you can say no is say you didn't demonstrate the requisite skill, or you didn't demonstrate the most skill in this area of anyone I've seen, and this is the skill area that is most valued to me. Yeah, so let's go back to the point you made earlier, because... The fact is, you're not saying, 
They don't have the skill. No, no. Oh, they may have it in spades. In fact, it's entirely possible that they have it and they have more of it than the person I just interviewed exactly. who actually has less of it, but he or she demonstrated more of it. There you and, go. And if you're going to say, well, therefore we should hire this as a person, I would say, perhaps you're right in the artificial world where interviews don't exist and there's a better way to evaluate people, but in fact, we don't have that world, we have interviews, and if we're going to conduct interviews, then we're going to believe that there's some validity to them. And in fact, what companies have been doing for years is hiring poorly in part because we send some guy who we believe his gut is good and he says something like, I just talked to us, speaking of which, I just talked to a COO the other day of a hospital and um, I asked him about the CEO that they had just brought on board. He says, oh yeah, I, I hired him, I hired her. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, okay. You know, it's okay. Okay, well, good. Good for you. I doubt that. It generally anyway. doesn't work that way. Yeah. Hey, hey, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, we're trying to make a precise point. We're only saying that a necessary skill or behavior or ability or whatever buzzword your firm uses to talk about performance wasn't used or shown in such a way that was visible in the interview or during the course of the evaluation. Think about it this way, guys. The end of year review that you get is an evaluation of a period of time, a year. The results of your interview are an evaluation of a period of time, the interviews you went through. Do you think that some folks in our audience, folks, particularly folks who have been with this a long time, are going to, I don't know, this is gonna strike them as a little bit less than purely behavioral, yeah. which is what we talk about a lot? Yeah. Um, I do. You don't have an answer no, for that, no, do you? No, it's, it, no, it's, it, we're not trying to draw conclusions about people. When we say that a necessary skill or ability or whatever wasn't used, and then we mention the standard, what's happening here is the context of the interview or the review is a standard. It, there is a standard, whether or not you get hired or what the minimum is or what is to get a 2% raise or a 3% raise or to keep your job or to stay in the, the, the top quartile or the middle quartile or with, you know whatever the case might be. Those things, those standards are part of the context in which the behavior is evaluated, okay? You're right. Some people will say, wait a minute, this isn't exactly behavioral. It is. We're, you, we're looking at behavior. We're listening to behavior in the interview, but we're applying it against the standard. Our focus on behaviors as managers in the day-to-day -day world is made much easier because we observe our team members directly. We know what their role is, even though a lot of times people would say, I, I'm not sure I could elucidate or I could elaborate or, or verbalize what the role is or what the standards are. But when we have to provide performance communications in a context like reviews or interviews, where other factors, not necessarily behavioral, are involved, we have to find a balance between the behaviors we're seeing in the interview that we're looking for to fulfill the job and the standards that the job has and the context within which that job occurs. Look, okay, here's an example. A manager tools manager might give um, feedback several times in the course of a year along the lines like this, okay? It's so for a marketing job. Hey, Mark, can I give some feedback? Sure, boss, what is it? When you don't consider advertising firm business cycles in our ad buys, it increases our total program costs. I learned that lesson the hard way, by the way. <laughs> um, okay, that's a completely legitimate use of the feedback model. This person who's being evaluated for the job, uh, for, for their end of year review, um, didn't consider 
how advertising firms have business cycles and therefore timed the buys of advertising in such a way that uh, it was hard for the advertising firm to support it and total costs went up based on the contract, okay? And this happened a few times because it was a young person and they weren't thinking strategically yet and so they only thought about the next day or the next week the way we all did when we were 20 or 21 or 22 and some of us maybe when we were 30. So you might say that several times in a year and the person, hopefully the direct would say, you're right, boss, sorry, I'll do better. But in an end of year review, that's probably too much detail. Also, there's probably not room to list every instance of a failure to meet a standard in a particular area on a performance review. That's a good point. I mean, I don't, on reviews, you're not supposed to list every single yeah, thing a person did or didn't do in a performance well, review. I yeah, mean. and the, you're right. And, and people don't understand why that's so. Performance reviews are for the organization. They exist to help the organization do succession planning, whether the organization uses them that way or not. And the reason that's important is it would be too much data for the organization's representative, whoever, the VP of HR or some chief operating officer or some division senior person or whatever. It would be too much data for all of those folks to read about everything everyone did. So by definition, we're supposed to characterize, we're supposed to generalize to some degree in a performance review. In the performance review, right? Well, yeah. Because the performance review you can be generalized is a form. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> the problem today is that most managers are so far away from specific performance communications in their day-to-day -day lives that when they generalize further from where they already are, which is a highly generalized level, long lines of, hey, listen, I need you to be better with the ad, ad companies over there. Okay, thanks, man. Awesome. Right? Or I'm not going to talk to him. I'm only going to see if it, if it doesn't stop this year. Because they're already general, and then we abstract it up yet another level, the information in most reviews is meaningless. I mean, I, I'm not kidding. I, I didn't write this cast for this reason. Wendy and I had a conversation about it, and I realized we had never shared this, this construction, the, the, the phrase, you didn't demonstrate. But I found a video on YouTube the other day, which was an HR person or a technical person or a training person demonstrating some software that managers could use at his or her firm. His firm, actually, this is a guy doing this, this thing. And it was like a Camtasia thing where they showed this guy doing a, a video saying, this is, how, this is our software to help you prepare your performance reviews. And it just so happened I clicked to go forward a little bit and it showed this guy and he said, one of the great features is if you don't know what to write, there's a series of pre-written comments that you can just copy and paste into this person's review that you're filling out online. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, literally, I mean, I think that might be a video that would go in the Galactically Stupid Hall of Fame. <laughs> it, it's a bit like saying the, the manager tools feedback model is so good. We're going to tell you exactly what to stay and say in step three. I don't know what the feedback is you're giving. I don't know what they did, but I'm going to tell you exactly what to say in step three when you, after you start out with, here's what happened. I mean, really, you can, you can actually tell a manager what they should write about an individual whom you've never met? We can abstract it up to such a level that it can be just boilerplate crap that some HR specialist or technician 
wrote about somebody. And by the way, they sell us to a lot of different industries. So that phrase works in a number of different industries at a number of different levels of the job. Are you kidding? I mean, it's it's ludicrous. It's literally, they went to plaids. I mean, you know, he went plaid. Immediately. Yeah, just immediately. <laughs> right. So, so the problem is that we have to be a little bit more general, but we still have to be tied to behavior, okay? If you want a chance to be taken credibly in a review, or if you choose to give feedback about an interview, which we recommend, we'll talk more about that in a minute, you've got to do something along the way. Otherwise, giving this, by the way, giving this level of feedback, if you haven't used the feedback model, is, is people will be stunned that you've been paying that close attention to the things they did or didn't do. But this is one of the benefits of communicating about performance throughout the year in little bits and pieces along the way, F feedback model or whatever other tool you use. Um, your directs won't mind a slight abstraction, a slight generalization, or a comparison to whatever standard there is for their job if they're not surprised because you've been talking about their behavior all along. If you talk about their behavior all along and then you talk about their behavior in context against the interview or whatever else, they'll be fine with it. But we're not doing that on a daily basis, so many of us. And then we get really generic in a review and managers say, well, I don't know what to say. Now you know what to say. What you need to do is build the credibility throughout the year. And then the phrase you use at the end of year or in an interview, which is the other extreme at the beginning of a relationship, you say you didn't, you know, if somebody doesn't do well, you didn't demonstrate something that the job reasonably requires, or you didn't demonstrate it to the level that justifies you getting a five, for instance. So go back to our example for a section. Second, in the person's review about that we were talking about this marketing person, there's a part in the review about technical skills or professional skills. We have to give performance communication, but we don't use the feedback model. Here's how it sounds. You didn't demonstrate the requisite skill in marketing planning that this job requires. Okay. And this is not just about behavior. It's also behavior against a standard. In this case, the skill requirement of marketing planning. And in this case, the standard is it requires it. And look, that's absolutely reasonable feedback to give somebody in the form of a performance evaluation, end of year evaluation, because that's what reviews are for, to help the organization how, understand how somebody did relative to what the organization thinks the job is and or should be. Now look, the, the most likely opportunity most of us have to use this phrase, you didn't demonstrate, is in writing or verbally during a performance review. Some managers will use our guidance on performance reviews, which is some of my favorite casts. It's four casts, two two-part casts about how to prepare and then how to deliver a review. And we talk about two different ways to write the written portions. It gives you not <laughs> phrases to use all <laughs> off of a computer somewhere where a person doesn't know your people at all, but rather gives you two different, one slightly shorter, one a little longer um, ways to structure your writing, much like the feedback model, gives you a structure to how to talk to people about performance. But after you write that, you can then say, and to elaborate a little bit, you didn't demonstrate this that I was looking for. You didn't demonstrate this. When you did this, it showed that you didn't meet the standard here. So it's very straightforward. It's just a different construction of words, a different phrase to get us to talk about behavior. You can't say, to somebody, you didn't demonstrate intelligence. Well, I'm sorry, 
You can. I'm sorry. You can say that. You, you can say you didn't demonstrate intelligence. You have. You said that to me. You said that to me several times. No, don't say that's horrible. If you start talking about things other than people's behavior and you tell them that they don't have it, you're going to hurt their feelings. Or if they're tough, you're not going to hurt their feelings. You're just going to drive a wedge between you and them. And we'll, we'll talk more about that in just a bit. Folks, if you're just a listener and we're not corresponding with you by email, we'd love to develop a relationship with you. We have more products to offer. We'd like to tell you more about some of the things that can help you, even if you don't want to spend money. That said, probably the ultimate result of us getting to know you better is the chance for you to come to one of our public conferences. We do close to 100 days of public conference training a year, surely very much in a city near you, including overseas. And our guarantee is it will be the best management training you ever attend. And once you've come to a conference, you'll feel like you've gotten to know the presenter. You'll be able to stay in touch with them, ask questions, and allow us to continue to help you to develop your managerial skills so that you don't feel the way you felt before, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Hope to see you at a public conference. Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, you did not demonstrate, part two. Here we go. Let's talk about the other extreme. We've been sort of driving toward the performance review at the end of the year. But if you go to the beginning of the relationship, interviewing people, if somebody didn't do well in an interview, most companies, most managers don't communicate anything at all. Now, we think that's dumb at manager tools. We disagree. We think if you screen well initially, not that that's always true, you won't be interviewing folks who are going to respond poorly to specifics regarding their less than great performance in an interview. Almost everyone out there who's listening right now will say, absolutely, I've been told no, or I, or I got told nothing at all, which essentially is no, which is the coward's way out um, from companies from time immemorial, it seems. But we, they hear nothing, and they don't know why. And they all say, geez, will somebody please have the guts to say, here's why I chose A over B. Here's why I chose this person and not you. Now, look, it's easy. You can get away with doing the easy thing, but like, like Mike and I were taught at school, make us choose the harder right instead of the easier wrong. And in this case, we recommend if somebody asks, you tell them, sure. I, if I were in your shoes, I'd want to know, here's my evaluation. Now, you might say, well, gee, how am I going to have that? Well, we've been doing this for eight years now. We've been giving you a lot of tools. You use the interview results capture meeting. And if you don't know what that is, just go to our website and type in the search box, interview results capture meeting, and you'll find a podcast on that very thing. It's one of my favorites. The IRCM provides the framework for interviewers to the people who interviewed a candidate to provide the hiring manager specific behaviors that were, that were demonstrated in the interview that caused the decision to be made. I'm not going to make an offer. One of the things about the results capture meeting, it starts off by each person saying hire or don't hire, and then they give specific behaviors that they did in the interview. They either showed in the interview by their behaviors in the interview, or that they explained through their answers to questions that showed them to not be as good as somebody else or to not meet the minimum standard. Because remember, there are two standards in interviewing. It's not enough that somebody meets the minimum, that they pass the test. The second question is, are they the best of the people who pass the test? And it's not enough to be best. You have to be best and pass the test as well. And the IRCM basically says, everybody's going to be looking for behaviors in the interviews. 
So in the same way as in a review, we tell the candidate, if we're going to give them negative feedback, not that this is actually negative feedback, it's not the feedback model, it's the you did not demonstrate model, we're going to tell them, you didn't demonstrate that a skill or behavior, and this is where we get more, <laughs> more, more iffy, or attitude or competency, I, we, don't, we, we wouldn't recommend that, but some companies use attitudes and competencies in their evaluation tools, and so therefore we're not going to tell you not to use what your company puts in front of you. You're going to say you didn't demonstrate that something was present. So it might sound like you didn't demonstrate sufficient expertise in customer negotiations, okay? Or you didn't demonstrate enough customer service success to be the best candidate for this role. It's simple. It's the same basic principle. You didn't demonstrate something. And I will tell you, in 90% of the cases, the phrase you didn't demonstrate immediately disarms someone saying, no, you're wrong because they realize you're not talking about them. You're not talking about whether or not they have it. You're only saying whether you have it or not, I didn't see it. And right. we assume because we have the power if we're the one interviewing, if I didn't see it, you didn't demonstrate it. And the only other option is you demonstrated I didn't see it, in which case I'm a really bad interviewer and I'm not gonna admit that because I'm the one with the power of doing the interviewing. He who runs the interview has the power. There you go. Now you already covered this, right? But I think we want to be clear about this. When, when we say demonstrate, we mean you didn't do or say, right? Dem demonstrate yeah. means to show or exhibit or express. Um, so yeah, so it, yeah. it, it, it structure, it does address behavior. Yeah, and look, I, this is where, uh, I had a conversation the other day with somebody and it kind of frustrated me. They said, well, that's just your way of looking at things, that it's all about behavior. You know, and I, I regularly say to conference groups, I, I say to them, don't ask me what your problem is, because when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Um, but there's something larger at work here when it comes to behavior at work. Nobody who supports the concept of behavioral interviewing, or for that matter, of unbiased performance communications, can argue with the standard being demonstrating a skill or ability or behavior. Okay? I want you to listen carefully here, folks, because uh, th this frustrates me about other people's systems, okay? Uh, not, not that ours is a system in and of itself, but a lot of people espouse different things, and, and, and there's a glaring hole in them, okay? One of the beauties of system of demonstration and, and behaviors, focusing on behaviors and demonstrating those behaviors, is it protects all of us from the vague systems that intentionally defy accurate description. And those systems often support the improper or unethical evaluations of people based on their inherent characteristics. If you don't think that behavioral interviewing and looking for behaviors and people actually demonstrating behaviors is a way to combat bigotry and, and selfishness and exclusion from the, peop from the workplace of people who look different or sound different, you're crazy. The reason we focus on behavior is it's not discriminatory. We want you to discriminate on the basis of the job. We want you to be discriminating about choosing best from second best. But the more vague your system is, then we can leave the person in power to make whatever he or she, whatever decision he or she wants. And unfortunately, for women in the world, it's he that makes the decision. Well, you're just not a fit for us. 
Well, no offense, what the hell does that mean? You get to decide? Really? You get to decide? On what basis are you deciding? Is it your gut? That's part of the reason why, even though I say we, we don't like competencies, I'm, I'm pleased that there's a, a, an effort made to, okay, let's try to measure some things, by gosh. Because the more we measure, the more we shine the light of day on what people do and how they do it, we'll pay less attention to the color of their skin, the age of that skin, how tall or short they are, who their mothers and fathers were, and to a large degree, where they went to school. Not that where you went to school isn't a good signaling effect, a signaling instance in some cases. Okay, if the standard can't be behaved against, or if the standard isn't behavior or demonstrable, it can be used to deny opportunity to effective performers due to characteristics beyond their control, or due to characteristics in the minds of the evaluators. And the fact is, folks, we're all biased. And that's just not right. It's just not right. And if you want to open up your organization to more people with more talent, start looking for behaviors rather than people. You know, we, I, I've watched Moneyball about five times in the last three or four months, and there's a bit in there where Peter Brandt the character actually modeled after Paul De Podesta, the guy who I think he used to work for the Dodgers for a couple of years, um, and um, uh, he, he talks about why Major League Baseball is so messed up before Moneyball came along. And he said Major League Baseball tries to buy players, but they shouldn't be buying players. They should be buying runs. Actually, they should be buying wins, and the way you get wins is by runs. Rather than looking at a player, and I'll never forget this, there was a, I, I read, I'm a big baseball fan, there's a famous uh, book about baseball sci scouting, it's called Dollar Sign on the Muscle, and it talks about how scouts do their job, traveling around the country, watching high school and college baseball games in the United States and overseas now too, and it talks very openly about a concept called a player's face, like literally the part of the, the head that has the eyes and the mouth and the, and the nose on it. And they say that player has a good face. And what they're getting at is a bunch of intangibles. But when you look at the people that they say have good face, I hate to say this, guys, usually they're tall and white. And it's, it's incredibly frustrating that, well, we don't want to measure this. We're going to trust the gut of the scout. And look, nothing against baseball scouts. I think I love watching scouts work and I'm fascinated by how they measure the things they do and so on. But the idea that we can simply leave it up to somebody to say, well, I just kind of like the guy. Uh, as opposed, if we're gonna be hiring a lot of people, and if we're truly interested in, in evaluating people fairly and finding the best person, can we look beyond our biases? Well, behaviors aren't biased. Outcomes aren't biased. Demonstrating stuff isn't biased. If you're really biased, you have a scotoma and you can't see it, coming from somebody who doesn't look like you, but usually that's pretty obvious. There's about five sentences in this section that I, we should just, I feel like we should cut out and just take that 30, 30 seconds and put on the website. Cause I think, uh, you know, I don't know. People think of us as crusty old West pointers and sometimes they don't hear those things that you just described. Yeah, I think that's... And it's disappointing yeah. sometimes, frankly. Well, I, I certainly. I mean, I, I, we get emails all the time from women who say it's really surprising that two men, two army guys, by the way, actually talk the way they do about equality in the workplace. Gee whiz, 
Why do I want equality in the workplace? Because I want everybody to have a chance to achieve. If everyone in the world achieved to the level of competence that they were capable of, there'd be no hunger, there'd be no famine. The problem in the world is, is, is not that there are a few people doing well and there are a few people doing poorly. It's that so many people are nowhere near their potential. And we believe managers play a huge role in that. And it's just too bad that people want to substitute somebody's gut which they can't measure and they don't have any data on. Not that the world is nothing but data, but let's at least get enough data so we can measure things, so we can track things. We can't leave it up to what one person's gut is if in fact we admit that everybody's got some bias. We all have some bias. Um, and there are people right now in the world who have gifts that we're not using because there's bias against them. But if we start measuring them based on their behaviors, and, and we ought to structure jobs so that at the lowest levels, you don't have to have the ability to strategically think about the future of a billion dollar company when you're 22 or 23 years old, unless you're Mark Zuckerberg. Um, it, it is astounding to me. This is an enormous gap in the productivity potential of the world. And the only answer, it may not happen for another 100 years, but at some point the world is going to wake up and realize, we don't care whether we get the credit or not, but... The answer is behavior. Behavior is measurable. Yeah, there's some vagaries to it, but all human things have some vagaries to it. And when you start talking about behaviors, it's a standard that you can measure against. And if it's demonstrable, it takes away the chance that somebody who doesn't look right, who doesn't sound right, who doesn't stand right, who doesn't have the right background, it takes away the chance that they won't be given a chance. And I'm against bigotry and making bad decisions, I'm also against robbing the world of that person's potential. Let's not put a person in the job because they look right or they're from the right place in the world if in fact they can't perform that job as well as somebody else. Why not just relegate our company to second tier status? Let's not do hmm. that. No. Okay. I need to get off my soapbox. Yeah. It's a nice soapbox. I I'm almost yeah. feel like we should end the podcast there because yeah, no, we feel so yeah. strongly about that. <laughs> but, but So thank you for that though. I, I think it's... <laughs> Folks, I think it's worth thinking about. That's that's, yeah. that's for sure. And reminding yourself, I, I suspect that if you've been listening to us for a long time, you're already with us. Um, but it's it's useful to remind ourselves sometimes about our yeah. basic tenets and beliefs. Yeah, I'll tell you, folks. I, I people have questioned my hiring in the past. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> I hire based on behavior. I can manage around all kinds of things. I can't manage around an absence of behavior. I can't do it. Let's go back to the specific wording, because I think you know, I, yeah. we, we've alluded to this um, right. or stated it directly, but I, I want to talk a little bit more about it. And that is that this specific wording does not suggest a lack of potential or attack the person in any way. And, and I, I, yeah. I think that's incredibly powerful in, in these situations, particularly, you know, particularly in the interviewing, for example. It's very yeah, powerful. I, I'll give you a good example. I, you know, we talk in the disc thing. We just recorded, we did the video of the ECC, the Effective Communications Conference. We're going to put that on the web at some point, I think this year. And in doing so, uh, one of the things we talked about is that we never learned how to communicate. Or no, I'm sorry, we were never taught how to communicate. We learned it by trying words and getting positive feedback and negative feedback and mimicking our parents and our brothers and sisters and, and the people who, who raised us and our family and our extended families and our community and so on. But you, most people were never really taught how to communicate. Made even more worse in the kind of almost arcane way we communicate in organizations today, we certainly weren't, weren't taught organizational communications 101. Most people weren't taught business communications or managerial communications, okay? We weren't taught that. But it's assumed 
that we know it. Actually, most people now assume, no, you don't know it. And <laughs> some people have, in fact, it's too bad. Some people have it and some people don't. Oh, he's got it or she's got it, or but he, he doesn't. It's just, like, it's just like Dan McGuire. I just wrote about him. Somebody said, oh, it's all about presence. And Dan started drilling down, what do you think presence is? And Dan helped come up with a list of behaviors. It was awesome. These are the behaviors that we kind of agree we put the words presence around. But in the same way that we didn't learn it, uh, or we weren't taught how to communicate, we also weren't taught a specific professional way to talk about someone's shortcomings. In fact, we learned it, but we learned it in elementary school and middle school and high school between the ages of five and 18. When we were cruel to one another, we literally learned the way to talk negatively about somebody is attack their person. And then we went from that, I mean, right? I mean, people are cruel, gosh, the kids are cruel to one another. But nobody ever teaches, this is exactly the right way to talk to your direct. And we do, but not a lot of the places do. Business schools don't teach it. Well, they teach there's some form of political correctness out there in the world, but political correctness doesn't get the issue of talking about someone's performance weaknesses, okay? So this is another case where we need to learn how to talk to someone about a time where they didn't meet the standard. I'll be the first in line to admit there are times I don't meet the standard, but a lot of times I haven't met the standard. And the appropriate response for my boss or for the organization is to talk to me about that, but not talk to me in a way the way that we would when we were 15 years old, but rather as professionals. If you were to say, let me give you some examples. And, and by the way, I'm gonna let you guys guess which two of them I got out of emails that I had on my hard drive that people were saying, here's what I said to somebody. Okay, there are five examples I have. You just don't have it. Again, this is, I'm telling somebody what happened at the end of an interview, for instance. You just don't have it. Or, I'm not sure you're cut out for this. I always wondered about that cut out. Yeah, that's... Okay. <laughs> I don't see it in you, as if anybody could see any, anything in anyone, okay? And, and you might say, well, Mark, you know, it's just a figure of speech. Yeah, okay, it's just a figure of speech. You're talking about a person and their professional life. Uh, we are smarter than this, okay? <laughs> um, another one, you may not be the right kind of person for this job. And last one, I think this job is out of your reach. Wow. I like yeah. that one. Wow. Every single one of these things is false. And when you attack a person or you talk about their potential, it's arrogant too. I don't know. I don't think people get up in the morning and go, I think I'm going to say a bunch of false and arrogant things today. Right? And it's not right. You don't talk about the person. It is hubris for us to judge someone personally or to dismiss their potential based on what they might do in a 45 minute or an hour long interview, if they're lucky. And guys, everyone listening knows this, and I know it and Mike knows it, a lot of managers say these kind of things. It's easy to feel powerful when you get to choose who gets hired. It's easy to feel powerful when you get to make decisions about who gets the biggest raise. But it's the effective manager who humbles herself at these times and stays within the bounds of professionalism by only commenting on demonstrated behaviors. We don't judge people. We compare their demonstrated skills against a standard our organization sets and that we as managers bring to life. The best way to communicate not judging is to not judge by sticking to behaviors and by sticking to what was demonstrated in the interview 
or during the course of a year in which you are given, if uh, I'll probably put too big a spin on this, the sacred trust of providing an evaluation of a human being's performance and essentially, therefore, indirectly their potential to an organization who controls their addiction to food, clothing, and shelter. Yeah. Boy, this is the most soapboxy I've been in a while. Yeah. Yeah. I think good, I, I, good, I, I always want to, yeah, I want to say again, guys, it's easy to be dismissive of behavior. It's a little, it's a little nebbishy. It's a behavior sounds a little inside baseball-y, like management is about behavior. Guys, at some point, if you're 25 or 30 or 35, you, it's okay right now if you're not ready. You know, there's an old saying, if the student is ready, the teacher appears. When the student is ready, the teacher appears. And what that means is the world is teaching you all the time, but you only realize you're being taught when you're ready to be taught. And it's certainly true for me as well. And you may not be ready to hear this yet, but at some point later in your career, you're going to have an aha moment. And you're going to remember you heard it here first. It's all about behavior. It's all about, other than it's all about people. It is all about behavior in terms of organizational results. If you want better quality outcomes and better people, if you will, start focusing on behavior and stop focusing on the things that people suggest are indicators of that, um, like scouts saying he has a good face. Okay, wrapping up. The phrase is, you didn't demonstrate. We gave you a couple of subtle different examples of that. The key is to focus on behavior. What can you demonstrate? Okay, by the way, you can't demonstrate charisma. You could infer charisma from the demonstration of other behaviors. You can demonstrate, you, you can infer presence, as, Dan, as I mentioned Dan McGuire talking about recently with his company, based on the demonstration of other behaviors. We talk about behavior, we don't address somebody's lack of potential, right? There are so many people who have been told, you'll never amount to anything, and then became hugely successful. And we don't attack the person. There's enough of that already. We have an obligation as managers to talk about poor performance when, when the standard is not met. And we have an obligation as humans to do it in a way that steps on somebody else's shoes maybe, but still leaves a shine. There you go. Thanks, my friend. Loved it. You bet, partner. All right. We'll see you. Thanks, everyone. That's it for today. We'll see you next week. Have a great one. So long, folks.